1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, Today, we are talking about how country doesn't trend. Uh, We've been reading all these articles. That's not the way we say it, Steve. We say say country don't trend. Country don't trend. Listen, I actually have a college degree. (laughs) Um, May I use it? I was going to say, can I use it? But I decided I, I, I would be corrected. I, I does too. <laughs> I I mean, do I, too. Yeah. So yeah, but we've been reading all these articles. So so let's just be let's just talk about our podcast for a minute. We have that that rural pastor in mind. Dirt roads. I mean, that gives us a picture. We're talking about these rural remote places, and and one of the things we're doing, we're reading all these articles, and they're saying here's these six things that are trending in the church, and here's these eight things that are trending, and it's all about it's all about COVID. And our response to COVID. And Doug, you wrote this blog post about this the other day where, where country don't trend. Half of the things they're saying are trends are things that we as rural country pastors do every day. It's not a trend for us. I mean, like, right. hey, we're going to focus on people more. Really? So, Doug, why don't you just jump in a little bit? Tell us a little bit about what your thought was there, and then we'll just jump into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, yeah, we're decidedly country. This this is a side note before I say anything meaningful, but you might be country if you choose your pickup truck based on the fact that it don't sure show dirt as much. That's Oh, my goodness. You <laughs> nailed me. I am so mad at General Motors because they used to have like this gold mist color yeah, yeah. that doesn't show dirt. I, I have to get a black truck now? Are you kidding me? Anyway, we better, we better move on. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is, uh, you know, I write from pet peeves, mostly not out of spiritual conviction. But I, I was reading all of these articles, and they're talking about five things you know, churches need to do uh, during a time of COVID, six things that we need to wrestle with in light of the election you know, 12 things that pastors need to know about uh, racial disparity. And so I was looking at it and it was all trending. You know, these are trends today. And I, I, I looked at each of those issues and I said, OK, so let's let's really look at them. A, since when has politics not been contentious? I mean, yeah, we saw a different level. But when when has it ever not been contentious? Two, when have we lived in a world of racial equality? I mean, that, that's just not a reality. So that's a trend to say that, you know, we're achieving that. And then, uh, you know, uh, this COVID thing, it's not the first time we've been sick as a nation. 
all of those things fed into this concept for me. And I just, I just called the article an afternoon uh, at lesson at Rob's Barber Shop because I realized that we do certain things in the country that other people don't do. For instance, I go to Rob's. I don't make an appointment. I just show up and sit in one of the four chairs like the rest of the people. And the objective is I should engage in the conversations going on like everyone else. That's the barbershop. If I want a beauty salon, then I should go somewhere else, you know, and Rob doesn't tip hair just so you know. So uh, it's the same cost every time. And I just started writing down the things that I had noticed. Number one, um, when we're talking about these trends in the city, you see trending fashion, you see trends in cars, and uh, you see trends in education. It drives us nuts because, number one, we're a traditions heritage-based culture. You know, when I go to Rob's, I look at the walls and there are pictures of baseball and football teams from our community dating back to the 1930s. And when you come in, I look for the people that I might know on the wall. I, I know that person. And Rob's son is in some of the pictures, you know, the state championship from last year, his son is in that picture. And so I'm part of the heritage when I come and I take a seat. And we all talk about it. Uh, the second thing, and I'll just kind of run through this, but the second thing is we're a storytelling tradition. So it's not enough to sit in the room. You participate in the story. And that's because we're part of the fabric of the story. We're, we're part of the story of our community. Um, so it's not a trend. I move in and we'll see if you're interesting enough to let you participate in the story. We're a sharing community. Um, I was amazed. And I think i mentioned this in one of our earlier podcasts, but we, we had uh, we had a rotary club that did a fundraiser for a family and they raised $67,000 in a day. Now you tell me the church that contributes to a widow, $67,000 because her husband died tragically. And I'll tell you, the country already does it. It's one of the hurdles that we need to wrestle with as churches, but we're not trending there. Um, we're smarter than the world gives us credit. That's number four. It's common sense. So I don't know how many times you hear people say that, but guys, I'm guessing we all live in the same kind of communities where people are like, that's just common sense. And some things just don't make sense to us. We, we don't really care what you think. So, you know, this recent election, people are like, we don't care what you think. We're, we're going to vote for whoever. And we did. Um, the, the number six is we know that life is lived in seasons. There's a rhythm to life in the city. There's no rhythm. I mean, it's not like, hey, it's planting season. Oh, it's time to go inside. It's, you know, we don't have that. Oh, the malls are, are, are having a sale right now. I got to get to the mall. That's not part of our culture. Um, and I'm not making fun of malls. I wish we had a mall. We have Walmart. That's kind of a one shop stop or whatever. So, uh, and then we're self-sufficient. It's a real hallmark. So we don't trend when somebody tells us how to do something. If, if we can't figure it out, we're not doing it. And, and that's the bottom line. I mean, my father-in-law cut down our own tree and it was massive. We dropped it right across the county power lines. It was a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful moment. The tree twisted. We, had it, we did everything right, I think. But the tree twisted and popped off some power lines. And uh, yeah, but we did it ourselves, doggone it. Uh, 
here's the other thing that I thought. So whereas the world is trying to avoid the risk of COVID, rural communities do it differently because we live with calculated risk every day. And then the last thing is we like us the way we are. If we like church enough, we're going to go regardless of mandates or danger. We're used to danger. It's, and, and I really mean that. The country lifestyle, we're more used to danger. There are more gunshot deaths in rural America than in the inner cities around the country. And nobody knows that. First of all, we all have guns. Second of all, there's this thing called deer season where, you know, when the sun comes up, you realize you're sitting 12 feet from another guy. <laughs> yeah, so that boy, there's a whole lot time back there. <clears throat> hey, just in case you missed it, I am Steve McVeigh with Dirt Roads Network. You've been listening to Doug Rutledge from Crossroads Farm in Michigan and Michael, Michael Hull from the Vineyard Movement, Small Town USA. He's up there. I cannot pronounce the name of his town because they pronounce it different. I'm going to call it Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Michael, what do you think as you're listening to Doug talk? I appreciate that. Yeah, you wouldn't live in our town because Chippewa is not how you say it. It's Chippewa. Gotta say it. <laughs> That's like Shibboleth in the Bible. If you can't say it, you know, you're, you're not, not from here. here. Not from here, man. Yeah. Um, no, I think Doug's nailed it. Uh, I think I want to add a few things that I just as a, as we're talking to pastors that as a local pastor, I, I'm I'm a local pastor myself. Even though I have a national job, I, I pastor a, a rural church here in, in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, and. And the reality is you see all these things coming at you right now, like all these quote trends. And I, and I follow some of these quote national experts and they give us some good advice. They're yeah, like, they're yeah. wrong. But in reality, like one of them said, you know, we need to focus on neighboring. And I thought, well, if you're not focused on people in neighboring, you're probably missing it. But I think pastors are feeling a tension and a, like uh, a tension from that a little bit. I know I have in the past, it's like, well, maybe I should be doing this, or maybe this is different, or maybe this look like this, or look like that. I also have advice for pastors too. If they're predicting the future in COVID, the last worldwide pandemic was in 1918, I believe. And that would make them, they'd have to be about 110 years old to actually recall the last pandemic. So anybody who's saying something now, is selling something just to keep their blog post numbers up, to get their views up on Facebook or on Instagram. They really don't know. We, we and have I a... think it's okay when we say that. I think we need to say that more. It's this weird environment live in America that we say, we have this fear of saying, we don't know. It shocks my people when I say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is my first pandemic. How about you? I don't like, I don't know. We've had illness. We haven't had a worldwide pandemic like this, and it's okay. And I think that's part of the tension we live in. But rural, like what Doug is saying, is so right. It's traditions based. And by the way, we also because we handle death differently because we understand seasons and we're an agrarian culture, meaning that we experience death of animals. We experience. We go through seasons of death. You know, if I'm no offense, and I I haven't lived in an urban area, so I don't make a comment about America. Critique it, but. They're not watching an animal that you've raised from a baby as a cow and you've taken care of it and the cow dies and you sit after the butcher, if nothing else. Like they're not used to like the natural rhythms of death and seasons. And I think for rural America, we have a vibe that we understand that, like part of how life goes, you know? And, and I think you're right. And I think we don't match trends. 
why I believe this is not a political statement, but why I believe the polls are always inaccurate when it comes to rural America, because they're trying to find trends that we don't fall into because, because of the way we live. And I think that's so important. And I, you know, Steve, I know you know this, and Doug, I know you know this too, but I think it's so important for pastors to hear this because I remember at one point reading all these things that predict the future. And all of a sudden it struck me like, but that's not my reality in rural America. Like I have to take care of my neighbor. If I'm a jerk to my neighbor, everybody in town knows it. Like you, you all know those people in your town that you're like, oh, great. You know, like they're going to have to deal with them. And you also know who you got to love on people and what that looks like. So I think, Doug, your article is dead on. You know, we don't trend and we're never going to trend. And that's why 70 million people look around going, I don't understand why this is an important topic in their world. I have more conversations of not, it stresses them, but they don't understand like why this is an issue. Why are people angry about this? I've had that more question to me, like, why are they fired up about this thing, Michael? Mm -hmm. It makes no sense to me in my context. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us were like that. And I just, there's so many cans of worms here, but let's, let's (laughs) circle around because I'm sure that some people that listen to this, they might not understand what we're saying. There's this deep rooted resiliency that deals with hardship and sees hardship a lot differently in a a rural agrarian mindset. But what I want to ask then, because we could spend all day talking about how they're, you know, the national trends, all that kind of stuff. Those things don't matter to us as much, but guys, the pastors that I'm working with across the country in rural settings are hurting. Uh They are tired. The, I mean, the, the, you know, this, we won't call these trends, but these are realities that many are dealing with people that they love dearly, who are divided, who are fighting each other. They, you know, the average church, you know, here I'm, we're, we're sort of like talking trends, it almost sounds like, but I can just tell you the churches that I talk to, uh, the attendance is way down. People are divided about masks. We know all this, but beyond all that, if, you know, because we've been saying those things for a while, there is a deep-seated tiredness. Mm-hmm. There is an emotional exhaustion. There is a sense of hopelessness that some pastors have. We're going into a change of seasons. Some people suffer from seasonal depression. We're seeing alcohol use and drug use, depending on what the culture is. What so so I'm not going to read eight things that I need to start doing, including I need to start loving my neighbor, which that one got me. Okay, we're not even going to say where we saw that one, but well, you need to start worrying about your okay, yeah, (laughs) that's and I need to I need to speak to that too. So, uh, this week, this weekend, um, we had uh, our elderly, uh, elderly friend over and he came over for dinner, I think it was Thursday or Friday, something like that. Uh, We try and do that twice a week for him. We're caring for our neighbor. On Sunday, he called Sunday. Now he never, usually he's at our house for dinner anyway, but on Sunday he called and he said, I'm having trouble breathing. Okay. So what's your, what's your first take? This is an 82 year old man. He's like, I'm dizzy. I'm having trouble breathing. 
So Dawn didn't think, my wife Dawn didn't think, she didn't, she didn't take any time. Now we have another 87-year-old who's sitting at our dinner table and Dawn stands up and she says, I got to go. And she's out the door. She picked up our neighbor and she put him in the car. She drove to the hospital. She spent the rest of the day with him and he was, te- he tested, but he tested negative. They said, no, you have pneumonia. And so the doctor's response was, we need to get you out of the ward where you might get pneumonia or um, might get COVID and we need to, you know, send you home. So here's, here's our first reaction in the middle of a dinner where we're serving neighbors. My wife jumps up and picks up a guy and we all think it's COVID with no thought of risk. And she does it. And that's Christ. No fear right? No fear. Um, I, I think that there are, so I'm jumping in and I just want to say this, pastors need to stop ruminating on trying to pro- prophesy what happens next. And they need to speak into the things we know are going on right now. And, and that's the deal that empowers me because I am making a difference during a difficult time. If I'm preaching during World War II, I'm not trying to guess when it's over. I'm preaching to the, you know, to the sacrifice and uh, the death tolls and the fear. I'm preaching to that. And if I don't preach to that, I'm going to feel like I'm a victim. I don't know what to preach this week, you know, and I think there's a lot to preach about. I think there's a lot to do, but it's not a trend. This we preach Christ resurrected. We preach it every week. And that's, that's the new Testament. And that's where I want to land. You know, in Acts, there's an interesting thing that happened about prophecy I was going to land on. In Acts, they prophesy there's going to be this famine, right? Like there's going to be this famine guys throughout the world and this is going to happen and it does happen. But it's interesting. They don't react in fear. Yeah. And, and, and what they do is they ask, I think, three simple questions. They ask, all right, who's the most vulnerable? How can we help? And who do we send? Which is very ministry-based, very rural-based. Like, your wife's reaction was, this person's in need. I need to go help them. And I'm, gonna, I'm the one that's chosen to go. And I just think over and over, living in this constant fear is why people are angry. Most anger is fear-based. Most people that respond in those ways, you either fight, flight, or freeze. And what we're seeing in our pastors being so tired is they're tired of it. it I don't, we can know this stuff. And I'm pastor, you probably know this, but you're tired of getting yelled at. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's old. Like none of us are designed to be yelled at <laughs> like on a regular weekly basis. Like no human being is designed for that. I, mm-hmm. I worked just a side story to realize this. I used to work at a Sears catalog store. Now, if you're old enough for catalog stores, you'll understand this. And my dad owned this catalog store. And the worst job he could give me every day was to call people and tell them their order was on back order and wasn't coming when they thought it was going to come. <laughs> And in my rural town of 4,500 in Wisconsin, these nice little ladies who were so nice for their times would chew me a new one because I was telling them that their dress wasn't going to come in for an extra week. And in, in reality, it was the most draining thing I did. And the rule, not, the rule of the store was you could only do it once a week. No one was ever required to do that job more than once a week. You rotated among the, the, the staff because you didn't want to be yelled at that much. Like you could only handle that for so long. That's my dad's rule. Hmm. And he was right. And pastors aren't getting just that once a week. No, they're getting it multiple times. And they're getting, you know, people who they've walked and journeyed with for 20-some years are now, like, mad at them over an issue that's kind of beyond their control a little bit, to be honest. And hmm. 
And I just think that's why we're tired. And, and I think that's where the people are. I think that's why it's tired to hear about pot, uh, experts telling you what you should do next. Because right now you are living yeah. in the current reality. And, and then that's what I'm trying to push in. And, you know, Steve, I think that's probably the bigger issue that I keep seeing is people are tired because they're being told, well, not only are they getting yelled at, but they're doing what they should do. And that's tough. Steve, you haven't said much, um, but I'll ask you this question. So how many times a week do you have somebody who comes to you or the pastors you're working with and they say, do you know what you should do? And it's almost like everybody's got a plan for your life, you know, and it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus' wonderful plan for your life. It's theirs. And they're like, do you know what you should do? And I, so you know that I'm the harsh one. And I usually say, yeah, exactly. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. God told me. And this is one of those things that I want to speak to. If you as a pastor don't, if you haven't settled on what you should do, you need to get alone in the prayer closet and come up with a plan. And that means ministering. And then you incorporate other people. Everybody who ever asks me, you know what you should do? I always say, yeah, I do. Because I prayed about it. I've spent time with it. I might be wrong, but I know what I should do. Here's my question. If you got a new idea, I think that's God telling you what you should do. And if you're not doing it, then that's disobedience on you. I know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, how many times do you have people tell you, you know what you should do? Well, and, and we become gun shy, okay, because yes, not only do they tell us what we should do or ask that kind of question, which is really a leading question, but once you make a decision, you're going to be criticized. Yeah. I mean, you just are. And, and to get, to, to try to bring this full circle just a little bit to what we're trying to say is everyone is sort of asking us, how are you going to lead us out of the wilderness? I mean, that's what all these trend things are about. How are you going to lead us out of the wilderness? Here's what I want to say to you, Pastor Friend. We're in the wilderness. We don't know when we're going to come out of the wilderness. There's no one can predict that. I mean, and, and I'll predict this. We're at least here for another three or four months mm-hmm. of, of winter, of outbreaks, of challenges. Find how to minister in this moment with these people at this time and what does God want you to do for this time? Now we're going to talk in in some upcoming podcasts about how we can begin to prepare for what's going to happen as COVID subsides is, as you know, we begin to see whether or not, you know, whether or not the boy that, and, and that's a whole nother thing. And we feel like we're being lied to all the time. I mean, who knows what the truth is about COVID on anything, but if it begins to where we can have public meetings again with, you know, it, and, and it lightens up, we need to be prepared for that. But right now, here's what right now we're in this moment. And in this moment, we have to learn how to love, how to minister, how to reach, how to run over to some someone's house who's having a hard time breathing with no fear and minister to them. And so we, we, we have to stop thinking about how can we get back? How can we get out? And instead, just think about what does my congregation in my town, every town, you, you'll hear me say this every day. Every town is different. If you've seen one rural town, mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. seen one rural town. If you've seen one congregation, you've seen one rural congregation. What I'm wanting you to do and what Doug is saying and what Mike is saying 
is that rather than worrying about trends, you live in relationship. Yep. You yep. know your town. You're not getting out of this for at least four or five months. Right. Minister right now in a way that will be a foundation. And, and I just had this thought. Uh, and then you guys can just, I'm going to, I'm going to hand off to you because I just think I talk way too much all the time. You said I didn't talk enough. I, I feel like I'm, I'm the only one that talks sometimes, but, but I read this article and I think it was in the wall street journal. So don't hold me to this, but it was about businesses that started in the great depression that later became behemoths because when they started, they, they were built to withstand the great depression. Mm-hmm. And so there's a positive thing coming out of this. Learn how to minister in this wilderness and do that well. And when you get out of the wilderness, you're going to be prepared for, I mean, just doing this well prepares you for the next step. And, yeah. and you know, and in the wilderness, and, and I'm going to leave it at this, in the wilderness, in the Exodus story, God understood they were in the wilderness. He made his direction clear to them. No other place place in, in, in the history of, of scripture, in the history of the Jewish people, do we find a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. Mm-hmm. He gave clear directions. And if I'm willing, I mean, it's still, now he gave clear, I saw this map one time that was like where they thought the children of Israel went. And it was like my, my three-year-old granddaughter trying to draw a straight line. It was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the wilderness, you are all over the place. But are you following God and getting that? Because you're, whatever you do, pastor, whatever you do, it's going to be criticized. You're going to tick off a 30-year congregation no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. You're going to have people leave. You're going to have people shout at you. I mean, this week, when we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday, there's been two days. I've already had six texts this week from pastors saying so-and-so, who's a stalwart of their church, has just chewed me out. And, and that's just going to be part of it but learn how to minister right now. Mm-hmm. And we'll be prepared for what we talk about in our next podcast as we begin to talk about like, how do we prepare people to regather and all of those types of things. Hey guys, I think I can hear the cows coming home. So uh, maybe what we should do is give a word of encouragement um, to pastors who are saying, man, I'm up against it. And I would really, I, I, I just need to know how I get through this week. I've got a board meeting tomorrow. I'm going to get nailed, I, you know, or Sunday's coming and I don't even know if we're meeting, you know, what, what, what's our, what's our word of encouragement? So my word of encouragement is really simple. Pastor, you were called to that place in time. You were, you your calling is what matters is what Doug has said. And that's what Steve has said at certain points, what I have said at this point in time, you lean into Jesus, but you lean into that you were called for such a time as this. God mm-hmm. called you there. Amen. He called you those people. I mean, you don't have to be happy for your people all the time. Like in any family, we, we say, I can love my family. I don't have to like them all the time. I can love them. And, and you may not like, like your congregation all the time, but you still have to love them. And yeah. so remind yourself, a word of encouragement, that you are called. And my other word of encouragement is for the next four to five months, when you feel that urge just to run and quit, remind yourself of that calling and make a promise to yourself. And we've said this before in podcasts that I am not going to quit during COVID. Right. That God has me here for a purpose and I am not released from that purpose. He's called me for such a time as this. <laughs> good words. That is such a good word. Guys, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. 
Um, next week, we're going to talk a little bit about preparing for the next step. So when we do mm -hmm. get out of, you know, when we begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel and then discover that it's just a train and another announcement. Uh, anyway, but, but thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And, and we want you to know, we pray for you guys. Send us, send us questions if you have any, if you uh, uh, have subjects you'd like us to talk about. But just know that you are our heroes. You are in the trenches. Other people do not see what rural pastors do. And mm -hmm. very seldom as a rural pastor, are you going to have anyone look you in the eye and say with understanding and true appreciation, thank you. Hear that from us. We, we work. All th I, I'm in Kansas. Doug's in Michigan. Mike's in Wisconsin. We work with rural pastors all the time, and we see you as heroes. And so thank you. And we will we'll see you at our next podcast. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org Vineyard Small Town USA Vineyard Small Town USA Equipping churches to plant in small towns across America Disciples of Jesus Making Disciples MultiplyVineyard.org Slash Small Town USA Crossroads Farm working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com for more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.